Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. It's always about being able to ensure that the stressors are handled, that the stress isn't creating a negative response inside your body. And what the vagus nerve does is it's constantly checking in to ensure that negative response isn't happening. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health-conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Okay. Today on The Less Stress Life, I am excited to welcome the author of a book I recently finished and have been using quite a bit. His name is Dr. Nawaz Habib. He's the founder of Health Upgraded, which... I really love that name, by the way, Health Upgraded, an online functional medicine and health optimization clinic, working with high-performing professionals, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig a little deeper to find the answers to what's holding back their health. He works with those that want to upgrade their health, have a greater impact, and serve more people. Now, he went through his own experience with poor health and weight struggles, and he is well-equipped to implement personalized recommendations to all of his clients. So he's got a book called Activate Your Vagus Nerve, which is a simple-to-follow guide to help you identify and address major missing pieces in patients dealing with chronic health conditions such as anxiety and depression. By activating the vagus nerve, we can optimize our productivity, focus, energy levels, and allow us to experience the effects of upgraded health. So welcome, Dr. Habib. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I was just telling him off air that I previewed a few different Vegas nerve books because this has been an area I've wanted to dive into for a bit. And honestly, sometimes a book is a great place to start because it's a lot of info right there. And I really thought that his did a really a a nice job talking about things. Now, here's the introduction. Let's get down to it. Without giving it a second thought, your heart will beat 100,000 times today. You'll take 23,000 breaths. Your blood will circulate through your body three times per minute, and the liver will continuously cleanse and detoxify your blood. You know, have you ever wondered how all of this occurs in the absence of conscious control and how all of these systems work collectively? And this is your autonomic nervous system, which houses the vagus nerve. And so that sets the stage. I just love that this sets the stage so clearly. And so let's talk about vagus nerve. Absolutely. How'd you get into this? Like, why did you decide, hey, maybe I should write a book about vagus nerve? Like, what were the catalysts here? Tell me about this. So I've gone through my own health struggles, as you kind of mentioned in the intro. And one of the things that I learned in my time as a chiropractor, that's how I've been trained initially was as a chiropractor, 
was that the nerves have a very specific function and a very important way of working and ensuring that we are able to function optimally and do our absolute best. And oftentimes what's overlooked by so many health professionals out there when they're working with their clients is how do we really address the nervous system? How do we really improve the function of the nervous system for people that are dealing with autoimmune conditions or digestive dysfunction or conditions such as that, or even metabolism issues. So we always have to kind of dig a little bit deeper and address the neuroscience behind it and address the nerves. And that's where I decided to dig a little bit deeper on the vagus nerve, because the vagus nerve is that nerve that plays a major, major role in creating an optimal environment for health and creating that strong neurological function that we then want to then be able to go out and handle the stressors that come up on a daily basis and ensure that our body doesn't overreact or go into a state of shock or negativity. So just kind of coming into this as a chiropractor, I always had this idea of the brain having some function and some required piece of the puzzle. And if we're able to dig a little bit deeper there and learn how we can improve the function of all the nerves, but especially in my case, the vagus nerve, it really was that missing piece of the puzzle that I've helped a lot of clients now overcome conditions that others were dealing with medications or just supplements. They were missing that little piece where the neurological system was not being worked. And that's why I decided to write the book. Cool. So let's do some vagus nerve 101. Why should anyone care right now? Totally. Especially now in our COVID, post-COVID era, this is absolutely one of the most important times to worry about this. Not that before wasn't, but now we can realize just how important this is in making sure that our immune systems are working strong amongst so many other conditions as well. So the vagus nerve is our 10th cranial nerve. For those who are health professionals, you'll know we learn about this wherever we are in school, that it's a pair of nerves that come out of the brainstem and is the only cranial nerve to actually leave the cranial cavity. And it goes down through the carotid sheath. So it actually goes down beside the two most important blood vessels in our body, the carotid artery and the jugular vein, inside the same piece of tissue through the neck, and then courses to essentially every single organ inside our body. And it really creates this question of just how important is this thing if it's literally sitting beside two of the most important blood vessels that we could possibly have? And what is it actually doing? And why is it attaching to so many different places. Usually when we think a nerve, it's reacting or coursing to a specific area, one muscle, for example, or one organ, for example. Whereas the vagus nerve is that one nerve that does so much more. It courses through the body to every single organ, essentially beneath our neck. It's going to course and, and attach with the heart, with the lungs, courses through the diaphragm to go into the abdomen and then attaches to every single organ in the abdominal cavity. So we're looking at liver, pancreas, gallbladder, kidneys, stomach, small intestine, large intestine, spleen, you name it, there is a vagus control connection that is attached to it. And the vagus nerve plays such a major role in ensuring that every one of those organs is functioning optimally, but also making sure that that information of how the function is in that organ gets up to the brain. Love it. So basically, and I'm just looking at the pictures here because I am also a visual person. And so it's mm -hmm. in short, 
it's got two sides and it innervates everything. So whereas like one nerve goes through one thing, like this one is attached to everything. So when we're talking about, let's say the gut brain connection that people have heard about, we're talking about this telephone pole, right? The vagus nerve. This is exactly it. Yeah. And so, you know, people talk about this in different ways. We used to think that the vagus nerve communicated from brain to gut. So like mentally your gut would be a mess, but now we think it goes from, well, I've heard people say this. Now we think it goes from the gut to the brain. I don't know why it wouldn't be just like a two-way highway. And I don't remember that in your book. So is the communication starting on one side and landing on the other technically, did you find? So technically it is a two-way highway and technically that information is flowing back and forth the percentage of information that's flowing in which direction is really what's special here. So most of us think, especially health professionals, when we hear this, we think, okay, vagus nerve means parasympathetic information, making sure that our autonomic nervous system is functioning on the parasympathetic side, making sure that that information gets to those organs. Really, in reality, only about 15% of the information on the vagus nerve is parasympathetic innervation from the brain to every organ in our body, including the gut. The real big chunk is 80% of the information that flows through vagus nerve is actually afferent, meaning that it's flowing from not just the gut, but primarily from the gut to the brain. And so, yes, technically it is a two-way street, but really what it's trying to do is gauge what's going on. It's really that thermostat and, like you said, telephone pole or telephone wire telling the brain what's happening in the gut. And what's really important there is ensuring that the information in regards to what's going on with the microbiome gets up to the brain and what's going on with the digestive processing gets up to the brain. And the immune system cells, we know about 70 to 80% of our immune cells by volume are located in the gut lining. So we need to be able to send that information to the brain to be able to process and to give our unconscious, subconscious brain the ability to know what's truly happening inside the gut and the rest of the organs. So you were talking about the parasympathetic nervous system or the rest and digest nervous system. And I find sometimes, and I ask people just to focus on activating their rest and digest, because so often we walk around in fight or flight without even realizing it. Sometimes like, and I have found this with more and more. So we work with similar people, right? We work with high performing people. And so sometimes just the excitement of going to appointment to appointment or not even that, but just the excitement of what you're working on, like your heart rate is beating fast. You're kind of in active form, right? Mm-hmm. You're in that kind of fight or flight. And so I've, I've found that when people really focus on the rest and digest piece, they'll have magnificent changes yeah. in that week. So we talked about, you know, what is the vagus nerve? But let's talk about how people see this manifesting in their lives. I mean, it's kind of hard to put that into very few words, really, because you're talking about a telephone pole that provides communication to every organ. So essentially, everything is affected. (laughs) But can you give us some real life like, hey, here's what maybe we would think of vagus nerve dysregulation? For sure. Uh, Great question. Uh, Phrase that. I've never heard it phrased that way, but I love it. It's Essentially, in reality, what goes wrong when the vagus nerve is not working, we start to notice more issues primarily with our gut, as well as with our breathing, with our heart rate, with our moods as well. And we'll notice major energy issues as well. So when people come in to see me, when high performers come in to see me, oftentimes they're coming in due to major stressors and major 
things that have triggered biochemical changes inside their body. This can include bacterial imbalances in the gut and dysbiosis because their diet wasn't exactly on point. And for whatever reason, they were unable to really make the changes accordingly. Or really high inflammation levels, people dealing with autoimmune type conditions, people dealing with psoriasis, eczema, we're talking about rheumatoid arthritis and MS and Hashimoto's thyroiditis as well. And essentially what's triggering all of this is lack of control. It's essentially the fight or flight response. Like we said, that sympathetic side of the nervous system, that fight or flight response constantly on and not under control. So think of it in a very simple way. In your car, if you're pushing the accelerator and you're constantly pushing the accelerator, you're constantly going to be going. And the harder you push, the faster you move. What happens if your brakes aren't working? What if you don't have functioning brakes or when you pull your foot off the gas, the car doesn't actually stop accelerating. It actually continues to speed up. When you don't have that control, the ability to slow the body down, to slow down those reactions, put on the brakes, then the car becomes a dangerous weapon. And that's what tends to happen in a lot of people's cases when they get down to this autoimmune condition or major gut dysfunction like IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, even depression and anxiety manifest in this way because biochemical control needs to be there from a very specific system, which is manifested through the vagus nerve and ensuring that the vagus nerve is working at its absolute optimal. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about before, what is the vagus nerve, but I don't remember you saying this quite like this. So I'm going to mention it here because this is how I understand it. And I'm picturing it. I'm picturing it looking a bit like a wishbone at the top. So the vagus nerve comes out and splits to two, has two sides, right? So we've got our parasympathetic, our rest and digest, and our sympathetic, our fight or flight. And if we're always activating one side, it's just like anything else, the other side becomes weaker and it doesn't Mm -hmm. work as well. And we need these to be in balance in order for everything to work well. And so many people are in this chronic fight or flight, right? And so you don't even realize it anymore. And you're you're like, well, kind of tired, but I'm going to just deal with it. Or I've kind of got this problem, but I'm just going to kind of deal with it. Because this happens, unfortunately, slowly and gradually Mm -hmm. over time, right? Yes, very much. So, so, is there anything you would add to the way? Because, like, for me, thinking about how this works, so yeah, it's a telephone pole going into every organ and innervating everywhere. But also, like, we can't be constantly activating one side without giving some love to the other side. And that's just, I mean, I guess I don't know about you, but I see that as a, a huge thing because when our rest and digest isn't working, by the way, if your digestion isn't working, now you're going to be creating food reactions. You're going to be creating nutrient issues, which is going to lead to a million other symptoms <laughs> if you're deficient in nutrients, just because you're not digesting properly. And it doesn't always look like something on the other side, right? It looks like these yeah. really subtle symptoms. It's not like, oh yeah, I clearly have carrots in my stool all the time. It doesn't always look like that. It's like, oh, I think everything's fine, you know, but it's like, there's some very clear things that happen there. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very progressive thing. It's not something that all of a sudden you see something on your hand and you're like, oh my God, my vagus isn't working. Mm -hmm. It's very much this balance and this level of being able to ensure that the system is there to control the excess stress and to ensure that our body isn't reacting negatively towards the stressors that we do deal with on a daily basis, right? So Mm -hmm. making sure that that system is functioning optimally is really what it comes down to. Making sure that it's this consistent work of trying to be in that parasympathetic state about 80 to 90% of the time, 
making sure that we are controlling the stressors that come in, taking them in as neutral, taking them in as not something that's reacting or creating a negative response inside of us. And I'm talking more from an emotional and psychological standpoint here. But don't forget that stressors also include biochemical stressors like dysbiosis in the gut bacteria or the toxins in the personal care products in your deodorant or in your shampoo that you're using that are slowly leaching their way into your body and the liver isn't able to clear them out depending on what genetics you have. So it's always about being able to ensure that the stressors are handled, that the stress isn't creating a negative response inside your body. And what the vagus nerve does is it's constantly checking in to ensure that negative response isn't happening. Yeah. So as we were just discussing, this is a slow degradation. So improving it can be a bit slow too. So I want to talk about what you actually see in practice. But before we go there, I think now might be a good time to say, like, to clearly talk about what does it look like to stimulate the vagus nerve? What are some examples of ways to activate the vagus nerve so it functions better? For sure. Great place to go here. We have to think about what are the connections of the vagus nerve? Where does the vagus nerve connect elsewhere to be able to ensure that we can then use it effectively and ensure that we're getting the best bang for our buck, essentially. So like we said, the vagus nerve does go to all of those organs that I mentioned earlier, but there's a couple other little areas. If you notice what I talked about, about 15% of the information is parasympathetic. 80% of the information is afferent coming from the gut up to the brain, but we've forgotten one piece of the puzzle, that last 5%. And those 5% is where we can really create a major change and really affect the function of the vagus nerve. So 1% of the information on the vagus nerve is actually sensory, specifically from the ear. And there's a little section of skin in the ear. I think there's a good drawing in the book for that specific area, but it's a central area of the skin that's innervated directly through vagus nerve. And so we can use that piece to help stimulate some function of the vagus nerve specifically. The best way to do so is using acupuncture, especially auricular acupuncture, when somebody who knows what they're doing is able to address the vagus nerve function by putting their acupuncture needles in the right area, we then get an increased reaction, an increased flow of information across that piece of the pie and across that piece of the vagus nerve to ensure that then, okay, great, we can actually get more information going. And then the other 4% is actually motor innervation, muscles. And these muscles are located in the back of our throat. They're located in the larynx. So essentially the pharyngeal muscles, the laryngeal muscles are the major ones that we're looking at here. So we're looking at the muscles at the back of the airway and those going down to the vocal cords. So this is where we can actually have some real exercises that can stimulate a function of the nerve. So gargling is a wonderful, wonderful tool that I have the vast majority of my clients use to improve their vagus nerve function. What I'll recommend is somebody put a glass by their sink every time they go to brush their teeth in the morning and the evening. They've got a cup, they've got a glass there, put some warm water, maybe a little bit of salt, help break up some of the plaque that builds up in the back of the throat, get rid of some of that excess bacteria. And you're going to gargle for 30 seconds as hard as you can at the back of your throat, ensuring that that water doesn't go down your airway. We don't want to aspirate anything, but we want to make sure that you're gargling as hard as you can. 
you know it's working if you're actually starting to tear from your eyes. That's a very good sign that while you're gargling, if you're gargling hard enough, you're going to have some tears coming out of your eyes. And this is going to be a great sign that it's functioning well, that your brainstem stimulation is strong enough to get the lacrimal glands working. And then the last one that I'll give, I gave you the acupuncture, the gargling. The last one that's really, really effective here is humming, chanting, and even deep breathing exercises that you can do. So humming and chanting, we know we're going to be able to stimulate the laryngeal muscles, get the vocal cords kind of functioning a little bit. The reason we have any pitch or tone in our voice, the reason I can go from completely deep to really, really high is actually because of innervation that's coming through the vagus nerve to those muscles around the vocal cords that then pull and push and create tension that thus allows firmness to build up in the vocal cords and allows pitch and tone to be there for our voice. So when we notice that the vagus nerve is not working correctly, I actually, when I'm listening to my patients talk, for example, I'm listening not only to the words that they're saying, but also to the pitch and tone of their voice. And when people come in with a very monotone, very unable to really raise the pitch of their voice type of issue, it tells me right off the bat that their vagus nerve needs to be stimulated, that they don't really have full control of those muscles. So humming, chanting are wonderful ways to help stimulate that specific muscle. And then the deep breathing exercises is a great way to control the innervation of the lungs. And so deep breathing exercises, making sure that you're breathing with your diaphragm is a really, really important piece of the puzzle. When we're not breathing with our diaphragm, we tend to breathe with our upper back muscles, our accessory breathing muscles. And how many of us, and raise your hand wherever you are right now, have really tight muscles in your upper back, your shoulders, your across the upper back area, and your traps are super tight. That's because we're primarily using those muscles for breathing, and that's where a lot of people go wrong, and they're overusing those muscles, which are supposed to be there only in case of a stressful experience. When we're breathing really shallow and trying to run away from a threat or under stress, we tend to breathe with our accessory breathing muscles, meaning our traps, meaning our upper back muscles, everything across that area where so many people become so tense. That's a sign that you're unable to really get out of that stressful state and pull yourself towards a parasympathetic state, the rest and digest, which you can signal to your body that you're in by simply breathing with your diaphragm, having your abdomen being the one that's moving rather than the chest and the muscles of the upper back. Yeah, I want to reiterate that because that's kind of a really big deal. And we did, I'll have to find the episode number where we had a breath coach kind of walk us through a process. But just briefly to realize this, you put a hand over your belly button and a hand over your heart and just assess, just pay attention without judgment. Just pay attention to where, like, does your belly go in and out or does your chest go up and down? And so if your chest is going up and down, you're just assessing like, hey, I'm breathing a little bit out of this chest area and not out of that diaphragm, which is going to help, you know, if you're breathing out of the diaphragm, you're going to be better off with stimulating that rest and digest side. So am I saying that well? Is there anything you want to add to it? I just want to make sure. I always like to reiterate when something's quite important. Of course, that's 100% correct. What you're essentially doing is checking to see what state you're in. And if your hand on your chest is the one that's moving, then that tells you that your state and your body is in currently in a state of fight or flight. 
And you can actually create a change in that by training yourself to pull yourself from a chest breathing to an abdominal breathing. And I love that point of being without judgment. You're not right or wrong. You just need to start to shift towards what's going to be better for you, what's more beneficial for you. And if you're taking that time to do that exercise, it's without judgment needs to be done for sure. Yeah. So I want to mention that you gave us three things. You gave us the acupuncture in the ear and you gave us humming, chanting, deep breathing, which was the last one here. And also gargling until your eyes water because you know that you've got uh, good brainstem stimulation if it can help you tear from your eyes, which I thought was a great little pearl. So I will just mention that one of the reasons I took the dive, I've been kind of flirting with playing with vagus nerve stimulation or telling clients to do more of it for a while, but I've really tried to figure out how I'm going to include it a lot earlier in the program more recently because of something that happened in my life. So my mother had a autoimmune crisis happen a couple of months ago in March, which was a really great time for that because everyone knows <laughs> what season we're in. And so she suddenly could not breathe. Like it affects his myasthenia gravis, yeah. affects really the swallowing and the breathing muscles. It affects all these accessory muscles. And exactly what you said, I'm like literally picturing her like kind of being hunched over because of her, your neck if it's kind of pulled forward, which I mean, we could go to like, just posture now too. So if your posture is poor, I bet it, I mean, it must significantly affect, and you would know a lot about this. Like if your posture, if you're leaning forward, it probably really affects your breathing. I bet you're in the wrong kind of nervous system state frequently. I bet you're like, I'd love for you to piggyback on that here in a second. So anyway, um, that tight upper back, I remember when she first got out of the hospital, it was like really massaging this area. You had a lot of different therapies, like body therapies done to help. And like, I saw her again after I hadn't seen her for a couple of weeks and she just looked look much more upright, et cetera. But I left her, one of the things I left her with, I cherry picked things out of the book and wrote up a, an education document. I'm like, okay, the vagus nerve, you know, innervates the pharynx and does all these things. And I mean, really need to be doing vagus nerve. So she was like, I'd no sooner walked away from her chair and she's over here humming. So <laughs> if you want to mention anything about the posture thing, that would be curious. And then I want to go into, let's talk about how you see this manifesting in practice or like the changes you see and how long it takes. Because again, it takes a while to break down, it takes a while to build up. So what is realistic? I always like to give people like, hey, we need to do this at this rate for this amount of time. And then we'll start to see those shifts because we start to see that pretty continuously. So I'm curious what you see in practice. For sure. Yes. Great point with regards to posture. Posture is when it's incorrect, you're essentially putting yourself under a major physical stressor. So I talked about the different types of stress and physical stress is one of those things that's overlooked really easily. And oftentimes there's some of us that are sitting at our computers all day. I know that's very common with entrepreneurs and high performers being stuck at a desk, not being able to really get out and go for a walk or something along those lines. But posturally, we tend to be in a really terrible position. So posture is absolutely key. And yes, when you're in that hunched over position, you're not actually allowing your diaphragm to do the job that it possibly can. The ribs are so closely pushed together at the front that the diaphragm isn't really able to focus and function. And so not only is there an extra stress on the upper back and shoulder muscles to hold your head up, but now in in addition to that, we're also now adding the stress of breathing with the accessory muscles that are also there holding the head and the neck up or trying to be upright as much as we can. So there's certainly some great information there to optimize your posture and get out and move and have 
regular movements going on on a daily basis. I use a standing desk personally to make sure that I'm not constantly sitting. So every time I have a patient call, I generally do them over Zoom. Every time I'm on a video call or even a call like right now, I'm standing to ensure that I'm not constantly sitting, that I don't have postural flow issues occurring, that I'm not entering a state of what's called creep with my ligaments and making sure that I'm upright. Personally, I've noticed significant changes in my overall body pain, but that's also very much supporting my vagus nerve because I'm able to breathe correctly and ensure that I'm breathing diaphragmatically with the abdomen moving up and down. Awesome. So let's talk about how this works, how we see this play out in life when we start stimulating, activating the vagus nerve. How long do you think it kind of takes before someone starts to see that difference, essentially? Yeah, great question. So just like you said earlier, it takes time for these problems to show up. It takes time for the manifestation of autoimmune conditions and metabolic disturbances to really pop up in our bodies. And for inflammation to build up and become chronic takes time. So in order to make these changes effective and to really last long, it does require some consistency with these exercises. And these are really simple exercises. I go through about 20 different ones in the book where we can really improve heart rate variability and heart rate function through the vagus nerve, which is what I use to make sure that my clients are doing well from a vagus nerve perspective. But in order to notice those big changes, it does take time. And so these exercises are almost daily or very much repetitive exercises. So I give a breakdown at the end of the book where I talk about specific ones to do daily, specific ones to do weekly, and specific ones to do monthly. And with regards to how quickly we're going to see reactions and changes occur in our clients and ourselves is... It really does depend on how consistent they are. And we know that consistency carves canyons. So it all comes down to just how bad their vagus nerve was functioning to begin with and where they are in regards to their condition. But I tend to see big changes start to occur around three to four weeks for most people. If they're consistent, about three to four weeks, we start to notice digestion starts to get a little bit better. Peristaltic motion in the gut is improved slightly. They're not dealing with the significant energy issues and the dips that come from poor metabolism and insulin resistance. We're starting to notice changes. And I do these things in in conjunction with using supplement therapy, using uh, functional lab testing to ensure that I get the best possible information to my clients and the best way of coming through and creating the massive changes. But it's about three to four weeks where we start to notice that shift occur on average. And for some people, even sooner than that, I had a client that had significant IBS to the point where it would either be complete constipation or complete diarrhea on the other side. And within about a week and a half of starting to do the exercises, this was even before we got functional lab testing back, like her stool test and whatnot, we were actually noticing that she was starting to go to the bathroom more regularly, that it wasn't as severe on the constipation diarrhea back and forth, that she started to have a bowel movement every day or every other day, starting about a week and a half in, which was a really significant change for this client because being a a high-powered professional like she was, She was either spending a ton of time in the washroom or like in meetings looking like she was bloated and feeling terrible all the time. So when she started becoming regular, she was able to notice 
She was able to be more present in her meetings. Her energy levels were really going up. She wasn't constantly thinking about where is the closest washroom and where do I need to go and why isn't this coming out of me? So it takes time. But for some people, those vagus nerve changes, those exercises can be the difference maker depending on where their issues are coming from. Cool. Very good. Thank you for telling us, you know, it's a little different for everyone, but I love when we've got something we can kind of look forward to, right? And also consistency carves canyons. I had not heard of that before, but I love it. Very good. Okay. So we've talked about kind of where this started for you. We talked about the importance of the vagus nerve and how it's everywhere in your body. It's going everywhere. It's got fingers in everything. So we've got to give it a little bit more love. We talked about how you can feel when your vagus nerve is not functioning properly and how really it is kind of an upgrade. Like if you were assessing, sometimes I say to people, we can go about things in a structural or physical aspect and a nutritional aspect, which is a large, has a big umbrella and also an emotional aspect. And this really, I think, encompasses, it really actually, it really has crossover to all of them, but especially the physical and the emotional side. Would you agree? Absolutely. 100%. So is there anything we missed that you think would be important for people to know? Like if this is the first time they've heard about vagus nerve stimulation? I don't think there's much. We did do a very basic overview, but I think it was a very good overview for most people to understand why it's so important and and what we can do to improve it. Yeah, I agree. Your book is excellent, but you also have, I think, a Vegas Nerve ebook that we'll have in the show notes as well, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I decided to get some of this information out to as many people as I possibly could. You don't need to read a whole book to learn about it. So I have an ebook called The Top 10 Exercises to Activate Your Vegas Nerve. Perfect. That sounds like a great resource. Well, Dr. Habib, thank you so much for coming on today and for chatting about something that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. Anyway, you did a beautiful job of going over the vagus nerve and I just really appreciate your work. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. I'm so excited to get this info to more people and thank you for the opportunity for that. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 